0: Welcome to the Thought Card, a podcast about travel and money, where planning, saving and creativity leads to affording travel, building wealth and paying off debt. We are the financially savvy travelers. Hey, Financially Savvy Travelers, and welcome back to another episode of the Thought Card Podcast. As we head into the new year, I wanted to share a conversation I had with Sasha Huff, a podcast producer and the host of Because I Can, a podcast about life and all of the lessons we learned along the way. Now, I'm usually the one asking the questions on the show, but I'll admit that it's nice to be on the other side sharing my story, thoughts, and perspectives. So in this episode, I share ways I've organized my finances so I can tackle multiple financial goals, like traveling and paying off my mortgage early. You'll also hear a bit about my money story and what money was like for me growing up. After this episode, I recommend listening to episode 69, where I share how I became a financially savvy traveler. Lastly, if you haven't already, please follow the Thought Card Podcast on your favorite podcast player so you'll get new episodes sent directly to your phone. I'd also really appreciate your support. Support the show by buying me a cup of coffee and or purchasing any of my travel and personal finance books. See you in the next episode.
1: This season has really been focused about topics that we generally tend to sort of keep quiet about, or we keep it in private. We only talk about it around like the people we really know, sex, politics, and yes, money. Money is a big part of that. So I brought you on because you are someone that I really admire and respect in the financial sector. I think you're doing amazing things and really helping people. So let's start at the beginning. What really made you become so passionate about saving money and investing and homeownership to the point that you've created your brand around it.
0: Yeah, so I would say that I grew up in a household where money was talked about a lot. So my mom is, in addition to being like savvy herself, she's also an accountant. And my dad's also an accountant as well. So money was always a topic of discussion. It was never like off the table. My mom actually helped me open up my first retirement account at the age of 16. And I was actually doing small investments, like investing in like CDs and just like fixed assets like that, like before 16. So I really credit my mom to really exposing me and talking to me about money and savings And even my grandma, I always call her like the master saver Like she always knew how to stretch a dollar and she always like stressed that saving is so important So I think my grandma came, you know with the saving component My mom came with the saving investing and I think for me now i'm like taking building wealth really really seriously at a a, You know reasonable age at this point now
1: That's awesome. I have a very similar upbringing in that way. My mom, I remember being in like middle school and my mom opening up, or maybe it probably was high school, actually 16, I think is probably the earliest you can do something like that. But I remember having like a little deposit book. And every time I would make a little money at my job, or if my mom gave me 20 bucks to go to the movies, whatever I had left over, she would bring me to the bank and she would show me how we use the depositing book. And I feel so lucky to have had that foundation of of understanding the value of money, how to save it, how to invest it. But so many people I think are not getting that type of education and they're thrown into the world sort of not understanding finances or credit card debt and interest rates and all of those types of things. So I think it's really cool, again, that you're bringing that knowledge that both of us were so lucky to have at a foundational age to people and building wealth right now. I think for a lot of people our age, millennials and above, and hopefully below also, are really thinking about how do I build wealth? generational wealth that will stay within my family that can set my children up and their children up for greatness. So shouts to moms and grandmas and all, and dads too, for setting you up like that. I think that's amazing. So you had the foundation of this. This is something that's been in your life for a long time. What made you decide you wanted to offer that knowledge to the public and make it such a big part of what you're doing on the daily?
0: Yeah. So I would say that when I first started my blog, I had thoughts and that's why my whole brand is called the Thought Card is I had thoughts to share with the world and I wasn't really sure what those thoughts were. I just wanted to have a place where I can share updates and share the things that I'm working on and things that I enjoy. So my blog started off really reluctantly because I wasn't really sure that writing was like my strength, but I started the blog and it was more of a lifestyle blog and at the time, I was also traveling, just starting to travel. So, really dabbling into travel. So, it was like half travel, half lifestyle, because I wasn't, I had a full time job. I wasn't traveling all the time. So, just really creating content, generally speaking. And one of the articles I wrote was about how I was paying off student loan debt faster and quicker. So, I shared like four to five strategies. I shared it out with my network, and people really loved it. And that feedback was really reassuring because I said to myself, you know what? Like maybe I can combine my passions for travel and money. Cause in the middle of, you know, having a full-time job and trying to survive, I'm also trying to pay off student loan debt. I'm also trying to travel. So these are things that if I'm struggling with them, maybe other people are struggling with them too. So I started to really focus in on personal finance. And I think for me, one of the more challenging things is that five years ago, Travel was just seen as travel. So if you're a travel content creator, you're only talking about travel destinations and travel-related topics. And if you're in the personal finance space, you're only talking about money. So here I was, the unicorn, really blending these two passions together. And for me, it made a lot of sense. You need the money to be able to have the freedom to go and enjoy you know, experiences, even domestic or abroad. You need money to pay off your student loan debt, everything. I always say that money can help you on your journey or it can be a hindrance, depending on what side of the coin you're on. So that's really how I started, really talking about travel and money very cohesively. And just bringing back to my passion for travel So my family is from Haiti. And by the time I was born, my grandparents are already like in early retirement, which I think plays a big part of like why I want to retire early, because they've been like my entire life, they've been retired. Actually, when I was younger, I would go to Haiti every summer. And that's where I learned the language and the culture. And I would spend literally four months out of the year in Haiti since I was like 15 to, you know, when I first was born. So that's my exposure to travel. And by the time I got to high school, I realized like I wanted to see more places. But at the same time, my friends were kind of pulling me away from like, you know, you want to go to the mall and hang out. You don't want to like go abroad where no one knows you when it's just like you're just by yourself. So that's really my story where travel started in my life, really just being able to do it all the time and not really taking it as something that's special. It's kind of just like you go to the same place all the time. So that's where like the backstory of like my travel passions and my money passions. And once I saw a little bit of traction on the blog, I knew that this was a gap that
1: I was filling. And I've been running the blog ever since. That's so cool. Because it's true. If you want to have those experiences you do have to sacrifice the mall ratting going and just randomly buying something at Nordstrom or whatever, you know, the extra pair of jeans you don't need and all those things, which, which sounds so much like the avocado toast kind of trope of like, stop eating avocado toast. But there, even though I don't 100% believe in that there are parts of it that it is a mindset shift of like, what is my priority? Where do I really want my money to be going all of the time? And how do I budget that to make it so that I am able to travel. Because I think a lot of people, we have very a lot of similar backstories, actually. I learned this the first time we spoke to each other, but there's so many more that I'm learning right now because I also saw that I think people see me as someone who travels a lot, doesn't work, whatever, whatever, kind of that same perspective. But the reality is I'm hoarding my money so that I can take these big trips. I am Forgoing the Starbucks coffee every day so that I'm saving a couple hundred a month on coffee or whatever. And that's going into something. I actually did an episode called How to Travel When You're on a Budget, one episode, because I felt so passionately. And people were always asking, well, how do you have the money to do this? And it's like, well, I mean, I'm wearing the same shirt I've had for 15 years <laughs> because I'm not spending my money on clothes, on the Forever 21 new things and all of that. And I think that there is a lot of sort of misperceptions on how to builds that kind of lifestyle if you are also working and having a life outside of just holding on to all of it. And my mom also retired early, by the way. She was retired for most of my life as well. (laughs) So I have a, I was just talking to my husband on the porch. I'm like, I want to retire by the time I'm 45 which is in about 10 years. And he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, oh, watch, it's going to happen because now, and I'm surrounding myself with women who also have that. And I'm like, well, even if it's 50, even if I go for 45 and it takes me a few extra years, I believe that setting that precedent now and learning from people like you and being around people who are also actively trying to make better choices around money is what will get me there. And I'm gonna do it. When do you wanna retire? What's like your age? Yeah. 45
0: is my age. I just turned 30 like last week, but even before then, like when I was like 27, I already knew that like 45 is that age where I'm like, I have enough time ahead of me. If I play my cards right, I can amass the kind of wealth that I can technically never have to work a day in my life again. Doesn't mean that I won't. Probably not. I'm still probably gonna write a book here or there. You know, I'm still probably gonna appear at a speaking gig or do something to bring an in income, but not having that like dependency where you have to rely on a paycheck or you have to rely on income is the kind of life that I definitely want to lead. And I am really inspired by my grandparents. Cause I had mentioned before, like since I was a little, like my grandparents have been retired. And it's like, they weren't millionaires. So how did they do this? How did they amass this sort of wealth and now live a lifestyle where they, you know, they live a comfortable lifestyle. So for me, that's a big financial decision I had to make for myself. It's like, I want to retire. And when I first met my now husband, it was a conversation that I was very adamant about as well. So letting him know, like, this is my game plan. This is the plan that I have. And he's all for it, which is great.
1: Yeah. And that is so much of it too, is like setting that foundation, saying it out loud, starting to move towards the behaviors that need to happen in order to have that lifestyle. And I'm with you. It's like, I still, when I say I want to retire at 45, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not going to ever bring in income. But like you said, it's not going to be every week that I'm like hustling to try to make the money I need to pay my rent that day or my mortgage or whatever. And so... I think there's also sort of a misconception on like what full retirement even means. I just want to be able to work on the things that I'm the most passionate about that I can do with the most amount of ease. And if money follows from those projects, that's great. I'm all for money. As the mantra says, and I like to say it all the time, I love money and money loves me. I welcome money into my life. I respect money and money respects me. And it comes to me with ease. And that's the life I'm trying to lead. So with that, what are some of the actions and steps and things that you're taking now to set yourself up for this future that you would like? Yes.
0: So one of the things for me, there's two parts of the coin. So number one is increasing your income so that you can have more of a gap between your expenses and what you can save. So if you make more, ideally, hopefully you can save more as well. So in tackling my income has been very important. And also tackling my mortgage has been the second thing that has been super duper important to me because ideally what I want to happen, like right now with the mortgage, I have to bring in enough money to cover the mortgage and all of my other expenses as a homeowner. However, if my mortgage is paid off, then I don't necessarily need to bring in as much money. My income can be lower and I could still have a good life. So right now I'm actively working on paying off my mortgage, which is why I've been able to pay off that $20,000 in three years. And let me just say, it is so hard. It is not easy when you're a homeowner to like, just find extra money in your checkbook to like send off. So that's why I think for me, it's... It feels like it's kind of like a snowball. It's a snowball effect. Like every dollar that you put towards your mortgage, you're able to like really see the reduction in the time that you have. So some of the strategies when it comes to my mortgage payment, it depends because some mortgage lenders allow you to make extra payments. So you can make payments like biweekly, which is great because it shaves off years off your mortgage automatically, which is wonderful. However, a mortgage lender that I have doesn't allow me to do that. So I must make one full payment. So what I have decided to do is every, pretty much like my mortgage payment, I divide that by 12. So every single month I put one 12th of an extra mortgage payment towards my mortgage, which is pretty much the same thing. It's mathematically the same. So that's one of the strategies I've been doing, which has been super helpful. And secondly, having extra income. So freelancing, freelance writing is one of the things that I love to do. And it coincides with having a blog. So it's like, I'm already writing, right? So might as well write for other people. So writing, book sales, all of that, I have goals for all of that extra income and I throw it as much as possible at my mortgage. But I think I'm a little bit different from most personal finance folks because most people tell you to focus on one thing at one time. So it's like focus the next 10 years on your mortgage. But for me, I'm like, well, we still wanna travel. We may want to get an investment property. We may want to do other things. I mean, I still have to invest money so I can build wealth on the side of just paying off this mortgage, right? So I have all these little pots burning at the same time, which is a little bit different than most people. But for me, I feel like I'm making headway on all of them, even if it's slower than just focusing on one.
1: Totally. I would like you to explain why paying down the principal is what you're, key focus is. Because I think a lot of people who aren't in mortgages yet or might not be at the point of even getting into one, they might not understand that you have a mortgage. And a lot of the times your mortgage payment is actually going towards paying down just the interest rate and not actually the mortgage that you've taken out. And so you're sort of just floating in this (laughs) space of never really paying it off or taking the 30 full years. So a very brief sort of understanding of why that's been the focus.
0: Sure. So when I mentioned that I paid off $20,000 of my mortgage, that's in addition to what the schedule is. So when you apply for a mortgage and you are accepted for the mortgage, and you take the mortgage, they're going to give you a schedule. And depending on what schedule that you decide to go with, it's a 15-year schedule and they'll map out every single month. As you move through the schedule, you'll see exactly how much you're paying off. Now, for me, paying off my mortgage quickly means paying off the original money that I owed as much as possible. So when I'm making a mortgage payment, I'm covering what I'm supposed to, and then I add on additional money that gets applied specifically to my mortgage amount so that I can lower it down. So for example, if my mortgage was, let's say, $200,000, my goal is to see that two hundred dollars become one ninety. dollars become 180, 170. And that's what I'm chipping away at every single month on top of my mortgage payments. Then one more clarification is that your mortgage payment is comprised of a bunch of things. So it's covering the interest, pretty much you owe this lender money. And they're like, okay, because you borrowed from me, you have to pay me interest. So you're covering the interest. You may have like mortgage insurance, like I do. If you have a particular type of loan, you have also property tax. So there's a bunch of stuff that goes into like your mortgage payment. So I hope that clarifies things. But yes, so my goal is, let's say if I had a $100,000 mortgage is to get it down to zero. So zero is that ideal number where I don't owe anyone anything besides just making sure that my property tax
1: is covered for the month. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. It's one of those things right now, my husband and I are doing the same thing. We're trying to add an extra payment whenever we can so that we're paying down that principal and paying down what we actually borrowed. And obviously, the less money that's in the borrowed tank because you're paying interest monthly for every month you're continuing to borrow from that lender, you're paying them an interest rate. And obviously, it's a percentage. So the lower the actual amount of money you're still borrowing exists, (laughs) the lower your payments will be, et cetera, et cetera. So we're all trying to outrun the interest rate as much as we can as quickly as possible. So so yeah.
0: Yes. And I also wanted to mention something. So one of the calculators that I love using is Dave Ramsey's Mortgage Payoff Calculator. It's a free calculator. So you can put in your scenario and it'll give you like projections. And that has been really helpful for me to visualize and graphically see my timeline. So one of the great things about paying off my mortgage early is that for every one Extra payment that I make, I actually save myself two months off of my mortgage. So for me, it's like if I make sacrifices today, I'm literally buying myself more time to be financially independent in the future. So sometimes I think seeing the numbers and seeing graphs and seeing like, okay, this extra $100 a month, what's the impact? It can really make a difference. So I think having a calculator can be really helpful in their journey.
1: Yeah, so much of recently in my own life, really sitting down with my finances and seeing them in front of me. It actually also, like you just said, it really makes me more hopeful like it makes me understand better where I'm at and what my goals are and how I can really achieve those and I think that that is such an important step of all of this is like really sitting down and looking at your finances and seeing where you are what i find a lot in the conversations that i have with some of my friends who are either in not as great of a financial situation maybe they're single obviously we have the great addition of having a spouse that can contribute in whatever way i don't take that for granted. It makes it much easier for me to be a homeowner and to, you know, build this life that. I want to build, but a lot of times it's because they're paying no attention. It's like they're swiping the debit card. They're not paying attention to the fact that that I I go back to Starbucks all the time because it's just like I I remember realizing how much I was spending on like iced tea. And I still get made fun of this. My husband makes fun of me all the time about this, but I'm so like irritated with the four dollar iced tea (laughs) because I'm like I can make this for two cents at home, and I am going and wasting like it doesn't seem like much, but. $80 a month is a lot of money. Like that ends up being a lot of money when you're trying to reach these other goals. So yeah, I think actually sitting down and looking at it and being able to sort of, Look yourself in the eye and see what are my behaviors that are not contributing towards this goal that I'd like to have of early retirement, or even if it's not early retirement, it's just you know being set up for your retirement to feel good. The time's flying, man. I'm almost forty. Like all of a sudden, this retirement is so far away. I don't have to think about it. Is now like creeping in with the gray hairs, and <laughs> I'm realizing if I want this life, I need to really work towards it. So, speaking of that, what are sort of some of the money my mindset issues that you see your community that are coming to you that are sort of like, ah, this is the one. It always ends up being the topic of conversation.
0: One of them is definitely being afraid of looking at your bank accounts. That comes up all of the time. And I think that folks don't realize how much stress, not knowing your numbers can actually end up you feeling at the end of the day. What I try to do to kind of combat that is I actually set up a weekly money date with myself. So I actually put it in my calendar. It's like half an hour, usually Sunday mornings, because it's like usually quiet with a cup of coffee. I actually do not recommend doing money check-ins at night because if there is something that you need to make an adjustment to, you're going to go to bed angry, stressed, and sad. So don't do that. So you want to tackle your money issues as early in the morning as possible and take action. But when it comes to my money check-in, what I try to do is I actually have like a spreadsheet that has all of my bills and I just make sure that all my bills are covered. So I don't necessarily have to think about the bills I have to cover. It's all laid out for me. So if you can have a system where you don't have to actually think about your bills, it's just like super plain as day and you could just go through a list, that number one, saves you so much time. But also having a practice of actually looking at my bank accounts on a weekly basis, checking my investments accounts, seeing what needs to get done, or just celebrating a win. Sometimes you might realize that you have way more than you had. Or maybe if you're a freelancer, like something came in that you didn't expect to come in. So that has been super helpful. I think secondly, folks think that you know, even if they're cash strapped right now that they can't travel. They have this idea that travel has to be super expensive, super pricey. And here's the thing. I always say that, yes, travel will cost you money, but it's a scale. It could be as little as possible as you want it to be, or it can be as much as you want or even more than that. So it's really finding a sweet spot for you between What can you afford and what can you do? Whenever I'm thinking about traveling or planning a trip, usually it's never like my dream destinations because most of my dream destinations are out of reach. Like I want to go to New Zealand and Australia and just the flight alone will take my whole budget, right? So the way that I make travel possible for me is I think about, okay, let me see how much money I have set aside. And then based off that, where can I go? What can I do? That allows me, you still have a lot of power. Like you're not giving up your power and you can still have an incredible experience. But putting your finances first can really open you up to more travel versus the other way around of saying, I must go to New Zealand this year or next year. And you know, if you don't go there, you're you're kind of like sad. No, for me, I rather like see if I have X amount of money for the year, where can I go? And I think also optimizing that so. When I first started traveling, it would be like one big trip a year where I blow my entire budget on this one trip. Now I gamify things and say, okay, how can I make this pot of money last me for several trips? So I try to find just ways to make it fun, ways for me to stretch it. And I love a good flight deal. So I'm always
1: here for the flight deals. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, that's also helpful. And that also can be, transferred to really anything, whatever it is that you're saving up for, whether it's travel or you want a new couch or a new bed or you want better lid, whatever it is that's your the thing that lights you up. For us, it's travel. <laughs> We're like, where well, how do I get to the next place? For others, it could be, you know, getting that new computer or whatever it is that you're looking for. These are all systems that can be put in place to also save for those things. It keeps going back to, it feels like just having The courage, finally, if you have never sat down and really looked at your finances, and I'm not talking about just pulling up your Bank of America statement and seeing what you spent, but really plugging it in to those dreaded Excel spreadsheets (laughs) or your QuickBooks or whatever it is, and really understanding. Because the other thing that I find so often, too, is people actually have more money a lot of the times than they realize. They make more money than they realize, but they're constantly in a deficit because they're not paying any attention to that one McDonald's run that one night out that like maybe in reality that week you shouldn't have had any night out. And it doesn't mean you can never go out to eat. But when you're starting to really compartmentalize it, especially week by week, like you're saying, it does bring a little sense of peace because you are either gonna look at your week and say, okay, this week I really have to like strap in. I have to make all my meals at home. I can't do the online Amazon thing this week. And maybe the following week you've got the extra 50 bucks and who cares, spend it, have fun, go out to eat, get the avocado toast, (laughs) Like spend the money, but you're right. It does bring in such a different sense of peace when you have an understanding of what you actually have available to you. And I find so often, even if that salary is maybe not where you want it to be at this point in your life, it's likely that your lifestyle, you're just outspending. You actually could have a really comfortable life with all those extra things that you want. You're just not paying attention enough to make those things happen. And that's something I think, A lot of times, especially for our age, especially for people who work for someone else in a corporate setting and they feel the cap, you know, they might have heard you say, increase your income. They might've been like, oh, okay, Danielle, I'll just increase my income. (laughs) Like, sure. The reality is at that income, you might be able to actually live a nicer life than you're currently living. And part of that is because you're not paying any attention to where that 40,000 a year goes.
0: Yes. And I have some couple of thoughts to share also. I think a lot of people, when they think of their salary, they think of that number and they're like, that's my take home. And that's not. When I am budgeting, I use this system called zero-based budgeting, which is income minus expenses equals zero. So that means every dollar that I earn has a job. Either it's going to be invested, either it's saving, either paying off bills, giving to charity. So I must actively allocate each of my dollars somewhere. And that's what at the end of the day, when you have zero at the end of the month, it's actually a good thing. That means you allocated everything you wanted to. So when I'm sitting down and and working on my budget, it's not based off of my salary. It's based off my take home pay. So in my spreadsheets, I reduce the benefits and reduce the transportation costs and all the things that come out of my paycheck. And it's like, what do I have to take home on a monthly basis. And based off of that, I start subtracting. So I think that is super important. And I think if folks have struggling with like budgeting, a zero-based budget makes a lot of sense. It's just income minus expenses is zero. So you don't have to do any mental gymnastics. At the end of the day, just focus on allocating every dollar somewhere. That will be really helpful.
1: I like that too, because then it's not just, I have an extra 500 this month and I'm going to just spend it. And then you end up spending 700. Again, it just comes back to really paying attention to it. And I think we go from sort of, I say college age, but not everybody goes to college, but we'll just use that as a reference point. College age, you're out of that. You're sort of getting into your career maybe. And some of you might just be really, you know, starting to gain some footing in that. And we're the finance part of it is so often the last thing we think about, unless it comes to complaining about the debt, saying i can never get out of it. It's like all of the energy goes towards the sad part of it, but the reality is so much of that is in your control. And if you are allocating that money to those things, you're going to a start saving more if those things are savable, you're putting it into an account and you're still getting to contribute and enjoy your life. Like you work hard, enjoy your life. You get to spend your money, nobody's saying not to, but i think to have that system in place is so helpful. So thank you. I guess I'd like to end with just sort of if someone is listening to this and again, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, you guys are privileged. You've got your money. You've got a marriage. You were raised in a home that cared about money. You're ahead of the game. What are some of the the first things someone could start doing today if they want to start really making this a priority so that they can get all of the wonderful things they want in their life?
0: Yeah, so I would say having an interest. So focusing in and not being on autopilot is so important, like you had mentioned, and it may be picking up a book or it may be listening to more money podcasts. That to me always helps to like reiterate concepts or just reminds me of new things I should be looking out to. I may, I may even learn something. So just constantly being in education mode, I think is really good. But secondly, something that we didn't talk about is having separate bank accounts. For me, it's so much easier when I separate and automate my finances. So at this point, I have something like 11 bank accounts. And I actually decide to open up a new bank account whenever I'm hitting a new goal or I have a bill that is super important. So my mortgage has its own bank account because I'm like, I do not want to play with this money. This money has to be there on time, in full, every single month. So no mental gymnastics, it gets its own bank account. And my travel fund, which is a goal, or when I was saving for my wedding, having a wedding fund is a goal. So these are pockets of money that I don't want to co I want to see them separately. I want to be able to track them separately and save separately. So having separate bank accounts can be really, really helpful. Even if you just, after this episode, you open up one for a new goal you have, that's a step. That could be really, really helpful. And then what I do, secondly, after I have all these bank accounts, I now automate it. So I automate saving or I automate putting money into that account so it can go towards the bill. So the reason why I am able to pay my mortgage in full every single month without thinking about it is because it's taken directly from my paycheck straight into this account. So when it's time for me to pay that bill, I don't have to think about where's that money come from? Did I over budget? Because this account is dedicated solely towards that one purpose. So I know exactly where to go. So I think those two things are very powerful. So just to recap, if you have a money checking with yourself, like you know, one day a week, sit down, look at your finances, look at your bills, see where things are going. It's really good practice. Secondly, think about the different uh, goals you have or the different pockets of money that you want to put to the side. Open up new big accounts for them. And then if possible, automate the saving process or automate the transfer process. So you're not really getting involved. For me, the less I'm involved, the better it is because I don't have to mess up anything. And I just feel like I always mess up stuff. So automating and separating are very, very powerful. And lastly, that zero-based budget. If you're like, budget is not a bad word. It's actually for you. I always say that your budget actually... Who creates your budget for you? You you are creating your budget. And I think of my budget as like the Google maps of my money. It's telling me roadblock ahead, stop, yield, go full force. You know, it's literally just a guide. And what's empowering is that you set the budget. So if you feel like, you know what, I know myself, I need a little bit more money for leisure, then put that in there. Put that in there. If you're like, you know what, I don't mind living on less, then you you make the decision. So I hope those were helpful. But those are definitely the things that I think that can help to get you to your next
1: goal. Awesome. I do have one more thing before we go. What is one of the sort of fallacies or misunderstanding about money that you think people have? Like, what's the one thing that you're just like, get that out of your brain? Yeah, I think
0: one of them is that we're unable to attract money. And I think we touched on this a little bit earlier earlier. I had that same exact like fallacy also. I thought that my nine to five had to be the only income that I had. And I was kind of like sad about it. And I realized that at the end of the day, that it's it's way more than that. I realized that having an abundance mindset really can mean manifesting. More money. Just for an example, I remember maybe a couple of weeks ago, my husband was like, Oh, you know, I'm missing like a couple hundred dollars or something like that. And like in three days, it just randomly appeared. He got a client and it randomly appeared. So I think what's important is to know that currency, that means current, there's current in currency. So money flows to you and just being open, being open to opportunities. And it doesn't have to be traditional. It could be traditional or non-traditional. So that's what I would say. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. I really encourage if you're listening right now and you haven't explored and you likely have seen the side hustle discussion and all that kind of stuff. And it's not that it comes easy, but the opportunities are there. And I agree with you, staying open to them and seeking them out and not just thinking your nine to five is the only way to amass any sort of wealth is so important and abundance mindset always well danielle thank you so much for taking the time to be here i will put your links in the show notes for everybody to check you out and connect again her new book managing your money as a new homeowner is available for pre-order now it's being released on the 2nd of january danielle thank you so much
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode but don't forget there's way more where that came from when you become a supporter of the show you'll get bonus episodes additional tips on affording travel real-time updates as well as strategies for building wealth and creating multiple income streams. head over to thoughtcard.com forward slash join to support also be sure to follow me on instagram i'm at the danielle desire slide in my DMs and share with me your thoughts about this episode. What did you enjoy? What stood out to you? Let me know. I'd absolutely love to connect with you outside of the podcast. See you in the next one.